We experience things in life, do we not? But one thing we don't experience, we, we never experience having to be away from him. Right? I, I don't know how people make it if they're going through something, but they don't have him. Right? I've been through some stuff. But I didn't go through it by myself. Now, some people didn't come find me, but Jesus never left me. Isn't that right? You know, if you, if you depend on people, sometimes you can get let down. Right? But we should be getting better at that. Because it's, it's something, when you really, truly understand that somebody's not calling you out of obligation. That someone really, absolutely, they just care. You know what I mean? You ever talk to somebody that you realize that while you were talking to them, they were somewhere else? I said, it happens all the time. I'm about to start a marriage counseling service right now, right? Oh, I, I, I had to tell one of, one of my bishops to stop going to the hospital. Because when he would go to the hospital, and, and listen, I, I know he had a whole lot on his mind, all that, and I realized it very busy, but, but, you know, he was doing damage control. You know, certain people go, you have to go see them. So he's doing damage control. And he would get there, and the person would be going through their life history and all, and he would actually, subconsciously, he, he just, he, he, and he would look at his watch, and they would catch him looking at the watch. And so then his little way out was, uh, you know, Pastor Cliff is with me. He, he's going to say a prayer with you. And as I'm praying, he would be slipping out the door. I'm like, dude, that's so bad. That's so bad. And then when he would leave, the, the, the person, uh, numerous, would say, why did he even come? And, and I'd have to do damage. I, I, I finally sat down with the bishop and we had a great enough relationship where I just said, stop going to the hospital because you suck at it, dude. Bad. And I'm like, let's just hire somebody to do that for us, you know? So, and so it's, it's part of their life that, you know, you, you understand that, that you can tell when someone cares. Right? And so... All of the experiences that you have in life, you can either lose or you can learn. Right? I say that in jujitsu all the time. We don't lose in jujitsu, we just learn. You know, somebody taps you out, you learn how they tap you out. Right? Well, life's got to be about the, the same. Because if you let the experiences that you have in life, dictate everything about your life, you haven't learned anything. Listen, I want to keep repeating the same process. Right? And so as we're growing, now say this with me, how do I change my life? There are so many different people that will tell you how to change your life. They told us. We, we learn very early. 
Don't drink, don't smoke, don't fornicate, don't go to movies, don't do this, and our life has changed. How many of you know that doesn't work? Right? Right? It, it, we, we, we follow the culture that tells us that these are the things that make us Christian. How many of you know that there's a lot of people in the church that don't act anything like Christ? Say amen. Now, not in this church. Right? We all know that we're sinners saved by grace, right? You don't. Where have you been? I've been telling you for a long time. Right? So, say this with me. We're on a spiritual journey. Revelations 20. Let's go there. Life is about all the experiences that you have. It is. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Now listen. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And all the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Life's about that journey. Your, 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 your life is your autobiography. And everything about our life is being written down. Somebody say, Lord, help me, Jesus. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that. It's worth repeating. Let's say it again. Lord, help me, Jesus. <laughs> Hebrews 12, verse 2 says... Woo! Looking unto Jesus, the author. Listen, ain't no way in the world I want any of you writing my life story. Right? Ain't you glad Jesus is the author? Do you know that if you have a good relationship with the author... That some of the stuff that I would write if I was your author ain't getting in the book. Right? I want to tell you how important Jesus is to you and he is to me. It's because he's the one that is writing in the book. He's the author. He's the beginning here. He, he's pinning. And, and listen, there, there, there's, a, there's a good reason to have a great relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he's not like your frenemies. Come on, talk to me. Your frenemies will act like they're doing you a favor by telling your stuff. Because out of concern for you, bull. Malarkey. Yeah, I don't care. No, some, some, some people will enjoy telling your business. I want you to understand that Jesus won't tell your business. He won't expose you. See, see churches that expose people have, ha, haven't got to this place where they understand the characteristics of Christ because Jesus covers and even when your sins are exposed, he knows how to deal with the people who want to throw stones at you. Come on, talk to me. 
right? How do you change your life? You see, we have to understand that this process where, where God enlightens us and he saves us has to move us beyond this cultured Christianity that, that this, this society has shoved down our throat that has nothing to do with Jesus. Because I want to tell you, you can be a powerful group of people. You can change lives. You can make a difference. You don't have to settle for norm. Because there's nothing normal about Jesus. Nothing. But it has to be something that, that you catch a hold of. And that the, the real fire of the Holy Spirit gets into your life. And I want to tell you something. It has a way of burning out all the stuff that should not be in your life. I'm going to say, well, how do you deal with sin, pastor? I point people to Christ. Because without that, all the scripture I quote you ain't going to do you no good anyhow. How's that working out for some of you? You got to fall in love with Jesus in order for your life to change. Right? Just being scared of somebody telling you you're going to die and go to hell when the fear wears off. What happens? Right? So it can't be like that. All my experiences in life, let me tell you, I would, I, 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 I'm so thankful because when I first got saved and you, you've heard me, I, I got to see stuff. I went through that school of the spirit. It, it helps me now to understand because I, I know that there's a difference between simulation and the real thing. So I, I, I've heard guys talk about going and, and getting in the, the race car and you strap on a racing suit and all like that and there's this simulator that makes you feel like you're, you're driving that race car. Uh, airplanes, all that kind of stuff. And listen, I, I, would, I would suspect that that would be pretty exciting. But it ain't really driving a real race car, people. You understand? No, there's... There's, there's this concept that I want you to think about. That the last place on the earth where people ought to feel that there's a simulation is inside the church. We're not supposed to simulate Christ. We're supposed to allow the Christ in us to come alive. So that people can see the real Jesus. And let me tell you, they'll see the real Jesus more by how you act than by what you say. Come on, ain't that true? I like taking risk. I've jumped out of a, many a boat. I've jumped off cliffs. I've, I've got in paraplanes and crashed. <laughs> uh, here I am, I'm up in a paraplane crashing and the guy in front of me is a redneck and I'm just thinking this ain't no way to die <laughs> my buddy Matthew you can hear him because he's filming the whole thing he he thinks we're dead he's he's up he's like he's running because we're up and we go down and I don't know why I got into that paraplane but it felt like the right thing to do at the moment 
Paraplane, F-H-O-P. Uh, uh, Matthew put it on YouTube and called it Country Boy Airlines. <laughs> I've done some stuff and then realized that I probably shouldn't have done that. I sat down with this big old woman from the Dominican and them turtle eggs looked so good because she made them look good. She was biting the ends off, putting hot sauce on it. And so I'm like, why not? Got back to America. <laughs> it was bad. I'm hospital bound. <laughs> All I can see is that big old Dominican woman just. <laughs> and I was like, probably shouldn't have done that. How many of you ever done something and then? So it was an experience, right? Do, do you know that church is somewhat of that nature? There are experiences that you have. I, I want to tell you something. When your foundation is right, you will find that as you're going through these experiences and all these experiences, all these experiences, because how many of you can truly say, let's just say since you've been here, that you realize that not everything that you was taught was absolutely correct. Right? But that was your experience. And so if your foundation is solid, if you haven't built your foundation on seeking sand, here's what you're going to finally realize. That your rooms can be renovated. Right? As long as your foundation is solid, you might realize that, you know, hey, your kitchen needs to be renovated. Right? So there's some experiences in, in my life that I realized. I, I, I remember I, I went with a, some popular preachers, and the whole place was just full of preachers. It was a preacher's camp. And the guy, he was preaching, and he got to preaching, and he was like, we got to get back. To holiness, and man, I believe in holiness, but I believe that it's spelled more wholeness. So holiness to some people is defined by what you wear and what you say. Now, that's not real holiness. Holiness is being committed to God. Holiness. Your whole heart, everything about you belongs to the Lord. And remember this guy, he, he was just preaching up a storm and man, he got on all kinds of crazy stuff. But, but he asked everybody to stand up who was ready to get back to preaching the word and all like that. And everybody stood up. I was sitting on the front row. And the guys that I went with, I, I saw them. They stood up. And, and, and I didn't. I sat right there. And I wouldn't get up. I was the only person in there. Didn't stand up. I'm telling you the truth. And so I just looked this preacher right straight in the eyes. And, and, and my eyes said, don't say nothing to me. Don't, don't say anything to me. Because what you're doing is you are treating God's people to respond to him by fear. And I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to be a part of it. And you better have sense enough not to say anything to me. And he didn't. Because I don't think that you should love God just simply because you're afraid of God. Uh, 
That's like your wife staying with you because she's just afraid of you. Right? That's no real relationship. Come on, talk to me. Right? What kind of woman wants to live with a man that she has to live with because she's scared? Hmm? No. What person? What, why, would, why would we ever think that God wants us to love him because I will bust you in the head? Mess up one more time. Right? Who, who, who would want to live that way? And who in their right mind portrays God that way? See, I want, I, want, I want to tell you, yes, I was an ignorant person. I know nothing, you know. Even when me and you went to church, we didn't go to church for the right reasons. She said, massage you. I can't go there, can I? Huh? You want me to go the other way, right? <laughs> You just said, he said, you ain't writing my book. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no concept of, of, of God. And you would expect that, that, that things in the church would, would, would have the characteristics. But as you're changing your life, you realize that the church is flawed. Its leaders are flawed. And that you cannot build your foundation off of preachers and denominations. You must be secure in Christ. Let me tell you something. If I get as wacky as the day is long, it should not affect you because your foundation should be in Christ and not in me. You should not put your confidence and your trust just in me. You should know in whom you have believed because spirit bears witness with spirit. Right? Look how many people have been whacked out in life because they, they, they just followed. They never questioned. They, they, they just assumed that what comes out of someone's mouth is, is the absolute gospel. And look at the wackiness that we have in this land because people don't hold themselves accountable to know the word of God for themselves. Come on, talk to me. Right? You should never put your trust in a man. Put your confidence in God. And you should know when something is not right. You should know when something's not right. Because the Spirit loves us. The Bible says, I will no longer write my commands on tablets of stone. I'm going to write them in every man's heart, in their minds, and everybody's going to know me from the least to the greatest. Let me tell you something. There is no excuse because God has taken away the responsibility of man to inform you of who he is. God says, I'm a big enough God that I'll show you myself who I am. You don't need this building to talk to the Lord. Let me tell you some some of the greatest revelations you can get is right there in your own home, in your own car, wherever you might find yourself. The spirit of the Lord, he can move and shake wherever he wants to. You 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 don't have to be in this building. There's too much emphasis on the building. 
I want to tell you God doesn't house his spirit in buildings. He doesn't house his spirit in what's made with bricks and stones. God's spirit dwells inside of us. We are the church. We've always been the church. It's here. It's here. That's why you should take the church with you everywhere you go. We just come here to get our instructions from the Lord about how to fulfill our own destiny and our purpose. How do we make a difference? How do we change lives? And what can we do together corporately that makes people go, wow, there's Jesus. There he is. Can you tell that the atmosphere is changing? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? God just loves you. Somebody says, well, how can he help me and I'm so messed up? Look at the person beside you and say, give me an answer. Right? How many of you are glad that God has helped you in this life? Now, let this truth resonate in you. We are more spirit than we are human being. We're more spirit. Everything about us is spirit. We are spirit housed in flesh. We are not flesh housed in spirit. We're more spirit. What is the word? It tells us that we are to walk in the spirit, live in the spirit, be led by the spirit, be filled with the spirit. When we get saved, this is when our journey begins. It's this crossing over from flesh into spirit. You hear Jesus as he says, a man must be born again. Nicodemus says, how can a man enter into his mother's womb for the second time. Jesus says that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. To cross over to change your life, you have to go from this concept of flesh to spirit, which is very difficult if the teaching only is based upon what you put on and what you take off. What you eat and what you drink. Listen. And so for years, people didn't understand how the spirit worked because their answer to everything for us is like the doctor. If you go to the doctor, he's going to give you a pill. Talk to me. The same pill that if you see the commercial... Says it's going to help you with your knees, but it's going to cause you to have immensive diarrhea. (laughs) So you're going to walk really good to the bathroom. (laughs) Boy, I tell you, this medicine sure is working. My knees feel fine. Because we've been taught by 
the culture that, 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 that pills are an answer for everything. But I want to tell you something. There's something about drinking uh, eight glasses of water every day. There's, there's something about taking all that sugar out your diet and all that processed food out your diet. And somebody said, now you're going to meddling, preacher. You were preaching good right up to that moment. I'm not saying that what you're doing is a sin. I'm just saying you're going to see Jesus really soon. <laughs> Let me tell you something. We can't expect an easy way out of everything in life. Right? You better know and what you believe. and You better understand that people are making profits off of other people's misery. Now we're finding that people, cholesterol, all these things on this medicine, that the medicine has killed their kidneys, their livers, over and over and over and over and over. Over and over and over. You're finding big, big pharma makes $90 billion off of a drug. Why do you think they care if they have to settle with people for $30 billion? Why do you think they care? They don't. And I, I listen, I, and I'm not, I just want you to understand that in the church it's the same way. You shouldn't swallow everything that somebody tries to give you. Somebody bring me my oil. Uh, listen. Knowing the Spirit and living by the Spirit is the beginning of your journey on how to truly change your life. And don't worry about what you don't know because that doesn't, that's not relevant. What is relevant is how you approach Christ because in just a moment, He can reveal to you more in 30 seconds then you can in 30 years being in the church. He can open up your eyes. I've seen it. Now, Romans 8, verses 6 through 10. Let's go here real quick. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Listen to this. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It, it goes against everything, for it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So, listen, so then those who are in the flesh cannot, now say that with me, they cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Now, listen, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Listen to this. And if Christ is in you, this is something that a lot of people miss. I'm going to help you. Very few people will point this out to you. If Christ is in you, the body is dead. If Christ is in you, the body is dead. In other words, 
It resonates with us when the apostle says, it's no longer I that lives, but it's the Christ that lives on the inside of me. What is true salvation? True salvation is when the spirit starts living and the body starts dying. You stop living by flesh. You you, you stop living by the carnality of your mind. Uh, How many of you have ever thought about something and the more you think about it, the madder you get? Hmm? How how many of you have rehearsed while you're going down the road what you're going to say to the person when you see their face? (laughs) How many of you had that conversation? Go ahead. Lightning's going to strike you if you don't raise your hand. How many of you talked yourself right into a frenzy? How many of you ever cried yourself into a frenzy and then realized the whole time you were worried about something that it was nowhere even near what the truth was? And you put yourself through all kinds of turmoil. I have this saying that I say to my baby all the time. I'm like, I worry about that when I know it's true. Until then, I don't care. I got, I got better things to do than to worry about something that might. What if the cow jumps over the moon? Well, we'll figure that out when he does. Right? How I many of you can't fix something by worrying over it? What the Spirit does is He brings to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I wish I could tell you that where it resonates within you because if you allow the Spirit to lead you, you will stop worrying about the things that you can't change in this life. You, you'll get a different understanding that we, we have a God that knows how to solve problems in your life. He's working on you, right? He's a fixer, right? He, he, he's, the, he's the fixer in our life. The, the, the Bible gives us these great understandings that when this journey begins, that it begins with this transformation of us leaving this fleshly mindset, leaving this carnal mindset and beginning to concentrate spiritually. Even though we're in the world, we're not of the world. That we function differently. And the reason why is because now our hearts belong to him. And we hear the command, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. But yet, the characteristics of us putting those things in our life are very difficult. If the preaching is based upon what you wear, what you drink, how you look. Because we then take the focus from living a life that's truly holy before the Lord until a place to where we're just trying to survive, holding on to a rope, repenting at every revival. Right? Can I tell you that everything that we do for God has to be based upon our heart? It has to be heart-based. Let's just talk about giving. In 15, 16 years, you never hear me say, 
hardly anything about money. Talk to me. I have someone else is always taking the offering. I suck at it. I just do. I suck at it. I'm like, if they're waiting on me to try to get money out of them, I'm going to tell you, they're going to be waiting a long time. I pay for my food with food stamps, people. I lived in the projects. And if folks think I'm going to beg for something, let me tell you something, they'll wait for it. I won't do it. I ain't stretching out no legs. I ain't profit lying over anybody. Now, if you really want to give me $1,000 to pray for you, I'll take it. But I ain't going to make you no guarantees. Right? You, you understand that everything that we do for God is based upon our heart. Our heart. Our, our heart. And, and listen... When you fall in love with the Lord, truly fall in love with him, who would not want to give to the one who has given all? Right? But it shouldn't be because of a legalistic law. It should be because this is, this is your love. I don't, listen, everything I have, Lisa, Mary, Abigail, they can have it. Blake, they can have it. Grandkids, uh, look, come by, they come by last night. And I, I like, I give them $25 to go get some healthy McDonald's food, you know? <laughs> See little Jacob running around with french fries, you know? What, what wouldn't you do for your kids, right? But I, I didn't pull that money out of my pocket begrudgingly and say, here's $25, no, I was, I was, I was happy. Look, look. If I'll go, if 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 I'll go to Charlotte and I'll sit down at American Girl Doll Place, you know I'm a good daddy, right? And then spend hundred and fifty dollars on a doll. Somebody say, well, that's that's excessive. Well, you know what? She's my girl. I'm gonna say that again. She's my girl. And it's my $150. Well, let me tell you something. You belong to the Lord. And nobody has the right to say anything about you because you belong to him. And let me tell you something. He can bless you the way that he wants to bless you. And let me tell you something. There is something about being able to lay your head down at night and to be able to go to sleep knowing that you are sleeping in the arms of the Lord and there's a peace over your life that money cannot buy. Can't buy it. Can't buy it. He's a good, good God. Culture. I went to all these places and all these experiences and in my life here these last 27, 28 years from the life I lived and everything that went on in my life and, and then stepping into the realms of the church and, and, then, and then seeing all the craziness and, and going through all the processes and, 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 and trying to learn and, and, and then getting the phone call to come pastor this church and man, one step, one, one thing after another thing and every experience and, and looking and learning and growing. Trying to fulfill the destiny and the purpose 
in my own life? How do I resonate that to a group of people where you begin to flow in those same realms? Because this is not a title for me. This is not some place where I just am like, I can do a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm good at some stuff. There's a bunch of stuff I ain't good at. Don't give me a hammer. <laughs> My partner just brought me a toolbox. I got to call Tim up to ask him what this is. <laughs> How can I hit somebody in the head with this? Mary Abigail had something she needed a battery and guess what for the first time in years I had a tool that could open something up I felt so good about myself I'm going to get me a tool belt walk around the house and say this something you, you, you want unscrewed baby because I got it I'm the tool man I went to all these places, Uruguay, Ecuador, all throughout Nicaragua, all throughout Mexico City. Man, experiencing all kinds of stuff. Down at Dominican, saw things, experienced things. Uganda was probably the, I could win a few times and then I took some people. Ooh, that was a tough trip. Man, you're talking about hot, dusty. I was dusty, wasn't it, G? And then, you know, we don't have the proper vehicles, so I'm sitting in Chief's lap <laughs> with my, wind, my, my feet hanging out the window. <laughs> I mean, we're so jammed up in there, we look like a bunch of sardines. Smell like them too, I'm telling you. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm really close to Chief. And I'm like, don't get used to this, okay? <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I'm the pastor. You should be sitting in my lap. <laughs> what an experience. Well, you remember when they put the rope across the thing and all those guys? You know, going to charge us money to go through. And then Bishop gets out and he, he's dressed in a three-piece suit in 120 degrees. But you see, he gets out of there and he goes, oh, no, 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 and then he fusses at him. And, and then, oh, and so he, they just let us on pass because it's a culture thing that if you look important, you have a suit on, they'll let you go. If you, if you look poor, you're going to have to pay. There, oh, if you like, I'll get another trip. True. See, the guys come home, especially like the men of God and elders and different ones, and if they're very important kind of in the church, even if they're not. So the men come home, and when they come home, they sit down in the chair, and the wife comes, and she takes off their shoes. She'll break a little pail with water, and she'll wash their feet. 
And then when she dries their feet and all, she goes and she gets their supper. And she comes back and she places the supper there in his lap. I can tell what some of you women are thinking <laughs> right now. <laughs> come on. Come on, Nail. Come on, live a little bit. <laughs> Easy. Uh, <laughs> I got you covered, cuz I'm telling you. <laughs> that's, that's the culture. Look, when they, when, when they want to date, all the men will walk down one side with the guy. All the women will walk down on the other side. And then they bring them, and they meet right in the middle. And the pastor, he puts his blessing on them. For them to be seen together. Because if the woman is seen walking down the street with the man. And the church hasn't put its blessing on it. Then they automatically assume that there's some hanky panky going on. So what they do is they come and they get the blessing. That's culture. Right? It's culture culture it's culture I'm not saying good or bad but having the church sanction your relationship I don't know I wish they'd have been more involved in my life because I really <laughs> I needed some help uh, only thing the preacher did for me is marry me right because it was Better to marry than to burn. Right? I burned anyhow. <laughs> Don't you look at me like that. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? We get to Luke. It's a great story. Luke 7. Let's go there real quick. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. 11.44, Lord have mercy. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears, and she wiped them with the hairs of her head. She kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, well, say on. Say so, teacher. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one to whom you forgave more. And he said, hey, that's a pretty good answer. You, you judge that rightly. He said, you see this woman? Do you see her? Do you see this woman? You know, people can look past you. 
People can only judge you by what they know about you. Hmm? Did you see this woman? He said, I entered into your house. There's a culture here. See, the culture was when you come into somebody's home, a sign of respect would be that you would bring a pail of water because they didn't have pavement. You, every, everything traveled down the road. Horses, goats, you name it, right? And so the feet would get really, really dirty. And so a cultured thing would be that when your guests came, that you would sit down and you would wash their feet. Not only would you wash their feet, you would actually put some oil on top of their head to refresh them. This was culture. It was also something that you might not realize, but when that woman went into the home, she didn't break into the house. It's not like she, she couldn't be there. That's a misconception. The way you understand it is, is that Simon, this Pharisee, you could, you could bring, what would happen is, is the who's who would come to the home. In other words, you'd have all these religious people that would come to the home, and it was a, a kind of a practice, kind of like a care group meeting, kind of like a home meeting. And, and at this particular point, it could be any of those leaders, any of those teachers, any of those rabbis. Today we're going to have Rabbi Shamil. He's going to be expounding on how the children of Israel got out of Egypt. It's going to be so exciting. And afterwards, we're going to have refreshments. We're going to have lamb kebabs with a little mint jelly, some good, good wine. And so it, it was kind of like an open-door policy. To the home, if you were part of the group. But if you weren't part of the group, even though it was an open door policy, most people would not enter into that home for the fear of judgment. That's the reason why a lot of people won't go to church. You understand? It was an open door policy. But too many people were too afraid to go because they understood that if they walked into the church, that something like this might happen. There's a young man under the sound of my voice. God wants to save you tonight. God wants to deliver you from your sins. God wants to cut that long hair you have and make a man out of you. Now, I'm the only person in there with long hair. I'm also the only person in there that remotely looks like a sinner. In my heart, something happens. And I was like, wow, he's talking about me. And as far as I know, 
Everything's okay with me, right? I gave, I gave my heart to you. I, I told you that I would live for you, and now you want me to cut my hair? Didn't you have long hair? I saw where Samson was whooping everybody. And then he stopped whooping people because he got his hair cut. I still have people mad at me. I don't want to cut my hair. You have to imagine. Here I am, a young man, trying to find my way. Just searching for truth in life. All my people are crazy. How are they going to help me? How are they going to talk to me? How are they going to give me any instructions? And now I'm finding myself in the midst of I should have been more like the woman. I won't. <laughs> I did get up. Gave him the right hand of fellowship. <laughs> I didn't have all the answers. I just knew that there was something wrong. Come on, talk to me. Jesus defines and he tells his story. He says, you see this woman? He says, since the time I've been here, Simon, she, she's washed my feet with her tears. She's dried them with her hair. She took oil, the most expensive oil, and uh, she didn't even put it on my head. She put it on my feet. This is the good stuff. This is, you dab a little bit up here. This is, this is the good oil, but she's done gone crazy and took that oil Put it on my feet. How do you change your life? When I felt him touch my heart. Even in. When the sheriffs and the people came to get me. True story. They pull up in my driveway. I look out the window and there's cops everywhere. I said, Lord have mercy. They know. <laughs> but they didn't come to get me because of what I had done. They came to get me because they thought I'd lost my mind because I started talking about Jesus. I told you the Bible. <laughs> they said, oh, he's gone crazy. So they came. They come get me. I was in my underwear. They come got me out of the bed in my underwear. Here come the popo. <laughs> Carried me right down to the clinic. And here this guy's talking to me. He's asking me all kinds of questions. And I told him, I'm like, yeah, I did, but, you know, 
uh, I give my heart to the Lord and, and, and this guy looks at me and so help me. He says, shut up. Shut up. You stop talking. A black officer named Lieutenant Tillman was sitting beside me because I balled my fist up. I'm about to crack him. And he said, shh. No, no, no. And this guy looked at me and he said these words. He said, shut up. Don't you say another word. He said, let me tell you something, boy. He said, I will throw you in jail and throw the key away. And I got the power to do it. And the lieutenant said, shh, don't say nothing. And he signed papers on me and said I was dangerous and I would kill and had me police escorted to Cherry Hospital. You know what I'd like to say to that guy? How you like me now? <laughs> Do I look crazy? Would you believe that? Would you believe that? You can't look at me and tell that, can you? Right? Nice, sophisticated. Right? Who'd ever thought, you know? And then you get out. But in the process, you see everything that happens and you go through those experiences. And then when I started reading the Bible and I saw what these guys were thrown in jail because I didn't have anything else to do but to read, thank God for the Gideons. And so when I started seeing that, I was like, whoa, I'm a, I might be a modern day disciple here. Cause... So I'm thinking, what in the world? And then I'm noticing. And I remember being diagnosed, little Asian doctor. It was hilarious, I tell you sometimes. He, he just is like, I do it pretty good. He said, do you hear voices? <laughs> uh, true story, here I am. I mean, I'm, I'm a druggie. And listen, listen, if you're a druggie, you want to get locked up. Because that's what they do. They give you drugs. If I'd known that, I wouldn't have had to break in all your houses. Just get locked up and go to jail. Get all the drugs you want. Because everybody in there walked around like. <laughs> so these big old burly guys, they would come by. They were the ones supposed to give you the medicine. And I remember telling the one big old burly guy, I'm like, I, I, I don't want it. I'm, I'm good. And he says, well, the doctor says you have to take this medicine. I'm like, I don't want it. He said, let me tell you again. He says, the doctor said you got to take this medicine. I'm like, I don't want it. He said, you're either going to take it willingly or unwillingly. And I looked at the other guy, and his eyes were lighting up. He just, like, he just looked like he wanted to beat my rear end. You know? And so I took the medicine. Give me the drink. But I put it under my tongue. And I did that consistently. I never took it. I would go spit it out and then say some things. You know? 
I remember when my family came to see me. My mother told me, we will let you out of this place if you stop going to church with those black people. Talking about Rosa. Rosa had come to see me and they banned Rosa from seeing me. And I remember looking at my mother and I told my mother, for the first time in my life, I have finally found something that was real. And I will not turn back. And I got up and I knocked on that big old great door. And I walked through that door. And I looked up toward the heavens and I simply said, you do with me what seems good in your eyes. And from that moment to this moment, it's just a journey. It's an experience. It's learning how to live by spirit instead of flesh. It's more than just coming to church and jumping up and down. And, no, no, no. It, this is about your own journey, your own experience. What, what is it that is going to happen in your life? Purpose. All this stuff that happens, he can turn it for your good. Right? He can turn it for your good. Look at where you are right now and look at where you have been in this life. Come on, talk to me. This woman, Jesus turns and he forgives her sins. Go to chapter 8. This is so cool. Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bring in the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Now look at this. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene. And out of whom had come seven devils. L listen to this. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa. Herod Stewart and Susanna and many others who provided for him from their substance. What you begin to notice is that from that experience with that woman being in the house, the next thing you know when Jesus leaves the house, he's got other women who are following him that have been delivered from demons. Do you know that when God begins to work in your life, that the people that are close to you can be affected. Are you, are you listening? This woman, she went in and she did something that I want to tell you is one of the greatest truths you'll ever hear. That in order to be free, you have to get past everyone else's approval of yourself and you actually have to go before the Lord and to allow him to begin to change your life. 
Because there's always going to be someone that tries to take something off of you or put something on you or tell you you got to do this or you got to do that. Fall in love with Jesus. Are you listening? And your life will change. Now, it took years. This is my beautiful cousin, my beautiful cousin's beautiful wife, his daughter, his son, my other cousin is back there. What's up? His wife. And I am seeing some of my family start coming to church. So, what's a few more crazy people inside the church? (laughs) Get about your heads, Father. Experiences are helping us. The Bible's absolutely clear. That all things work together for the good. Come on. All things work together for the good. Somebody finish it. For those who love. How do you get free? You love him. How do you change your life? You love him. Father, thank you right now for visiting with us. Lord, I thank you for the atmosphere. I thank you for your love. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for a new beginning. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. And right now, Lord, just allow your spirit to just hover over this place. We bless you, Father. We thank you for all of your goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It doesn't take lightning bolts. It doesn't take emotions. It just takes a heart that is truly pure before the Lord that wants to change your life. Today could be your day. Some of you under the sound of my voice, you've gotten close. You don't have to understand everything. That's a misconception. I'm not asking you to change anything. But would you be willing to just look up toward the heavens and say, hey, I give you my life. Would you start there? Because true salvation begins with understanding who holds your life. God loves you. I know I'm speaking to somebody because I can tell this is for you. It took a lot of nerve for that woman to wind up going in that house, but she did. And her life changed because of it. Your life can change today. And so as they begin to minister, I'm going to wait a moment.